SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. Welcome everybody into another edition of the Underdog Dynasty Sunbelt Podcast. I am your host as always, Brian Stone. I'm the George Southern writer for Underdog Dynasty, joined for the at least the recent couple weeks by Texas State writer Vidal Espinoza. Uh, Vidal, you know, let, let's go ahead and get into what the biggest game of this past weekend and, and maybe for the entire year outside of the conference championship game in the Sun Belt was. Coastal Carolina faces off against App State. Give me your initial thoughts on this game before we kind of dive into it. I was uh I was surprised at uh how they how competitive the game was. App State had the lead up until about uh the early fourth quarter and I was just I wasn't surprised that it was close. I was just surprised that App State had controlled uh the game for just you know basically three and a half quarters and surprise is what surprise i guess it would be my my initial reaction yeah i mean i i, I think i was surprised uh you know this game kind of ran uh almost you know concurrently with the georgia southern army game so obviously i was watching more of that than i was this game um but i will say you know i was surprised like you said App State kind of owned the first half. I mean, it was 17 to 9 at halftime. You know, App was coming off of, uh, you know, they were up 10 to 9. Uh, Zach Thomas hits Christian Wells for a 25 yard pass with nine seconds left in the second quarter. They take a 17 to 9 lead going into halftime. And then Coastal just kind of blew it open and outscored, you know, App 25 to 6 over the final two quarters of play. You know, one of those, you can make the argument. Uh, with one minute left in the game at that point, you know, was a, a garbage time pick six by Coastal Carolina that didn't affect anything outside of, you know, betting and things like that. But I, I mean, this is kind of what, you know, I had been saying about app all year is if once they get a team that plays up to their level and can push them and won't just let them, you know, run the ball and be conservative and play defense, you know, once they get a team pushing them for four quarters, you've seen it. Now against Coastal, you've seen it against Marshall, and they've lost both of those games. Yeah, it, I, I think it was also a, a testament to uh, the way Coastal's been playing. They seem to adapt to any situation. For instance, in this game, the running backs only carried the ball 17 times, whereas in the last two games, they had 486 yards combined rushing yards. And um, it's it was one of those things where App had the time of possession lead. It was 33-50 to 26-10, but it was just those those turnovers that just kind of wore down any momentum or any chance that App State had of of uh you know getting the upset on Coastal. And I mean they he- they held Grayson McCall the quarterback for Coastal Carolina to his lowest completion percentage of the of the year, uh but they just still found a way to win. Yeah, so uh, this is something else that I had been saying about App all year. Once a team, and, and you could even make the argument, you know, because Cameron Peoples for App State ran for 178 yards in this one, you could even make the argument that Coastal wasn't even required to shut down the running game of App. But once you 
score along with app and make them constantly have to answer back with their own scores. I, I've had doubts all year about whether Zach Thomas was going to let that or make those plays when they need to be made or whether, you know, app was even going to call and, and be as aggressive as they need to in order to win a game like this. And, you know, say what you want to again they scored six points in the entire second half between the third and fourth quarters you know so zach thomas throws three picks like i said including one that was in garbage time that you know essentially i mean it put the game out of reach but the game was was almost over at that point anyway app state was trying to drive to to make it uh a game again but you know it, it just felt like coastal controlled the second half and, and like you said, you know, I, I think it's a testament to how flexible Coastal is with their offense, that they can win throwing the ball, they can win running the ball, they can win doing a combination of both, and that's kind of what they did. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, big ups to Coastal. They, they rose to the occasion, and, uh, you know, despite being behind the whole game, they, they found a way to win. Uh, App goes to 0-6 uh, versus ranked teams as a FBS member, and that was also Coastal's first win in the series. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting just looking down the line a little bit. Obviously, we'll talk about this game in a couple weeks when it happens, but, you know, Coastal, um, obviously they have to worry about a group of five teams like Cincinnati that are ahead of them in the in the rankings, but you know, they played Liberty in two weeks. Well, Liberty was just ranked, just fell to NC State this past weekend. But, you know, before the game with Liberty and NC State, this was going to be looked at as the clash of probably two of the best three or four group of five teams out there to see who, you know, gets that New Year's Day game against a, a power five school. Now, again, Cincinnati could, could just win out and make this a completely null and void point because their ranking is just higher. They play in a, in a conference that has teams that are ranked and, and more, I guess, I guess prestigious opponents that they get to play. But, you know, coastal has kind of put themselves out there and said, you know, listen, if we run through this entire slate undefeated, you know, it's going to be a tough, a tough thing to look at an undefeated coastal team, an undefeated Cincinnati team, and say, uh, "We're going to send Cincinnati just because we like their resume better." Coastal, it's nice that you went undefeated, you beat everybody you played, but uh, yeah, you should get a better resume next time. Yeah, it's going to be. You there? It's gonna be an interesting, uh, yeah, yeah. It's gonna okay, be an go interesting, um, uh, I guess, situation with all these uh, group of five teams here at the end. I think, uh, I think Coastal's been getting the, uh, I guess, the proverbial shaft on the on the rankings. To be honest, but I mean, it can't be. You know, I know they can't have too many G five teams. Uh, you know, vying for a New Year's Day or, yeah, New Year's Day uh, bowl. Yeah, so like I said, we'll see how it ends up all panning out. 
uh, between these teams. Uh, you know, with the win, Coastal moves to eight and zero, six and zero in Sun Belt play. App State drops to six and two, four and one in Sun Belt play. Coastal now controls their own destiny uh, as far as getting to and potentially winning the Sun Belt title game. They'll face off against Louisiana uh, in that game as it currently stands today. Uh, so moving on through the Saturday games. Uh, your Texas State Bobcats were able to beat Arkansas State in a shootout. Arkansas State's rough season continues. Brady McBride went absolutely nuts in this game. Talk a little bit about, you know, how he played and, and just, you know, his, uh, I guess, development from the beginning of the year to where he is now. It was evident that he's making big strides, and this game was a, you know, a big uh, indicator of that. He's been erratic at times, but he's a young, you know, young uh, signal caller in his first year of, you know, starting games. Uh, he went 32 for 45, 443 yards and five touchdowns. Um, that was the most uh, passing yards since 2016. And those five touchdowns also tie uh, a modern day uh, Bobcat passing records, you know, from the FBS years. Um, he had a couple of, uh, he had a couple of uh, crucial runs as well where he kind of just stayed up and fought for the yards. And, and that was just uh, the whole game was just a, uh, I guess, like a coming out party of, of him being able to put up elite numbers, um, especially in a season like this where uh, Texas State has just been so erratic at times and sometimes blows the lead. But they, they put together a good game. Uh, Brady McBride, uh, last drive of the game. They had a short field to work with, but let him down there. Calvin Hill ran it in for the game-winning touchdown, and that's all she said. So tell, t talk to me a little bit as a fan of Texas State. Obviously, this season hasn't gone the way that you, know, you and probably the team ha have wanted it to go, but there have been a lot of close games. They've played a lot of close losses. What do you think it means to this team to be able to, to beat an Arkansas State team finally – you know, kind of get over that hump and get another win this year? Uh, couldn't have come at a better time. Uh, Arkansas State, much like many of the teams in the Sun Belt, have always had Texas State's number, and uh, they were able to, even though they were outgained uh, by Arkansas State, uh, I believe it was by 150 yards, uh, they put an end to a lot of the drives, making them kick field goals or just uh, just ending drives in general. Um, it was a good win. Um <clears throat> Uh, just put a lot of confidence back in the team, put a lot of confidence in the, in the young men that are on the team. And uh, I think that'll be a, that'll be a catalyst heading into uh, uh, this Saturday's game against Coastal. So I, I think when you and I were previewing this game in the last episode, uh, I think we said to take the over and I don't know, it, 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 the over under for this game was 69. Um, you know, I, I don't know if we could have picked a game that was perfectly slated to go over. I mean, but between the second quarter, you know, the end of the first quarter, it's 10 to three. You're a little worried. The end of halftime, it's 27 to 24. You're very much on pace to hit the over. Both of these teams are scoring in bunches. Um, you know, also, when you look at the stats here, Arkansas State still wants to run that two quarterback system. Still not 100% sure why, although the two quarterback system is not their biggest issue. The biggest issue is their defense. 
I I don't know. I mean, I guess they're just going to have to start over next year and find, you know, both a new defensive coordinator and a new philosophy because their defense has really been what's, you know, been breaking their back this this way through the season. Yeah, there was a, a, a enormous amount of yards of offense in this game. It was 1150, over 1,150 uh, yards of uh, offense. And the Arkansas State, yeah, their defense uh, has a lot of holes. They have a lot of holes, have a lot of questions. Uh, uh, that's going to be their biggest thing going in the offseason besides the two-quarterback uh, system. Um, again, the two-quarterback system didn't work. They did put up a lot of yards, but no one really got into a consistent uh, pace. No one, uh, you know, no one uh, gained any momentum. Uh, the stats, you know, Lane Hatcher put up 254 yards on, but he was he threw for under 50 percent completion percentage. Logan Bonner had 208 yards on 17 for 26. Both guys had a pair of touchdowns, and Bonner actually was more efficient in this game. Usually, he averages three to five yards a pass uh but he he was actually the more efficient one again why they're putting in two quarterbacks i guess i have to you know listen to the press conferences or pay you know more attention because i i don't have any i don't have any clue but yeah their defenses was um had a lot of question marks and it was evident in this game Yeah, so their defense, like I said, just to give a little context to how bad their defense has been for people who don't follow Arkansas State super closely, they're currently allowing almost 40 points per game to opposing offenses. And while their offense is pretty, Arkansas State's offense is pretty prolific despite the two quarterback system, you know, they're offensively averaging 478 yards per game, which is excellent except when your defense is giving up 484 per game. So as good as their offense has been, it just hasn't mattered because they can't stop anybody. And, you know, they fired their defensive coordinator after the the Georgia State win. But yikes, Uh, it's going to be, I I don't want to say a rebuild, but they're going to have to retool and get a new defensive coordinator in there and find a completely new philosophy because this hasn't worked. And, and, uh, it, it's it's it hurts to watch when a team's defense is solely the reason they're losing games, especially when they put up as many points as they do on on a week to week basis. But uh, with the win, Texas State moves to two and nine, two and five in Sun Belt play. Arkansas State drops to three and six and one and five in conference play. So uh, getting to uh, Georgia Southern faced faced off with with Army. Um, I mean, I wrote a pretty, I'd say, scathing recap uh, on Saturday. Uh, Georgia Southern basically gave away what was a, a, an extremely winnable game against Army. I mean, they essentially just in the uh, in the fourth quarter, you know, I, I mean, I guess you could even lump the third quarter in there. They just kind of collapsed defensively, and that was when things really opened up offensively for Army, but... Boy, this was a, a comedy of errors at the end of this game, too. Um, you know, Georgia Southern had the ball, I believe it was, with eight seconds to go and were on the Army, I think it was 35-yard line, and they elected to run a draw play, and they weren't able to get to the line fast enough, and essentially the clock just ran out before they could spike it and get a field goal attempt off. So, again, uh, just a comedy of errors. Um 
you know, uh, like I said, Georgia Southern, this has kind of been the, the thing uh, with them is, is they look good for a stretch. And then at the end of games, they just, they really have a hard time and they, and they fade. So, you know, that's just, that's just kind of been the story of their season thus far. The, I had mentioned in the, uh, the last podcast that I think army was, that I thought army was going to get exposed in this game and even lose. And they did get exposed, albeit at the end, of course, you know, the uh, fourth quarter and, uh, you know, Georgia Southern had a 21 to seven lead at one point. And I just, I just didn't have any, I guess, confidence in Army winning this game, but they pulled it out for the reasons, like you said before, uh, comedy of errors. Um, I think this was a game that Georgia Southern could have easily had. And, um, yeah, because I just I just didn't have any confidence in Army at all. I mean the the six wins that they had previously coming in were three against FCS teams and then two against teams that are combined three and fourteen, and so I just you know Army just uh, capitalized on the turnovers, capitalized on the mistakes, and Georgia Southern uh, lost that heartbreaking one one point game. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, so the the reason I said uh, comedy of errors outside of the final drive, which was atrocious, um, you know, even if when you look at it uh, in the third quarter, you know, Georgia Southern scores to go up 27-21, they have their PAT blocked, um, and that ends up being the point that decides this game, because if that PAT goes through, then Army is tied 28-28, and both teams are on an even playing field, whereas Army, with any lead, is just going to find a way to kill as much clock as possible. And there was no better example of this. In the fourth quarter, their touchdown drive that put them up one point and eventually set the final score, they ran 18 plays in, in 10 minutes and 50 seconds. So they were more than happy to kill the clock on Georgia Southern and... You know, I wrote this up in in the the recap. If if anyone wants to go read it on underdogdynasty.com, Georgia Southern had three drives at the end of the game where they could have done something, and they just put up zero points after the what was it four seventeen mark of the third quarter. So, I I mean, as always, um, you know, I feel like I'm a I'm beating a dead horse. Fire Bob DeBess. Um, you know, there was a key series in the fourth quarter where Georgia Southern needed to convert a fourth down, and he ran a pitch play to the short side of the field on third and two that got no yards, and then handed it off up the middle on fourth and two that got no yards. Um, so that was one of the key series of our game that we had. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I wasn't surprised I picked Army to win by, I think it was a three-point margin, so one-point margin's not that far off, but I just knew that Jeff Munkin wasn't going to lose to his old team, and I was pretty confident in saying that. So, yeah, so I, I don't I don't know how much else there really needs to be said. Uh, Army moves to 7-2 and two this season. Georgia Southern drops to 6-3. and three. 
Uh, going down, uh, Georgia State was able to defeat South Alabama uh, by a 31 to 14 margin. Um, you know, despite them winning, you know, Quad Brown, uh, Georgia State's quarterback, was actually not great in this one. Uh, you know, he threw for 334 yards, but he threw for three picks. You know, if he does this, and, and I hate to say on a week-to-week basis because there aren't that many weeks left in the season, but if he continues to to play like this, they're not going to be able to to just run the ball for three scores and, and cover up those mistakes. So, you know, credit to Georgia State for being able to grind it out, but, um, yeah, you can't keep making those types of mistakes and win week in and week out. Yeah, this was a this was a battle of, like, the middle-of-the-road teams, and, uh, yeah, you're right. The the three picks, uh, it, it was just a rough going. I think he's talented. I think he he's got he does throw some nice uh, passes. Um, the past few weeks, just watching uh, the highlights and watching it, uh, his mechanics, he's pretty good. He's just you know just young, and you know the mistakes they're going to come. Um, but like you said, there's not going to be the three touchdowns every week from Tucker Gregg to cover up those mistakes. And that's something that if I'm, you know, Georgia state's opponent watching film, that's something I'm going to take in consideration, knowing what, knowing what their, I guess, game plan is uh, in moments like that, especially when Brownstone, all the, you know, the interceptions, but they got it done. It won't happen every week if you play like that, but you know, a win is a win. So I, I, I think that also uh, inconsistency with both of these teams plays into the final score of this game a lot. Um, Inconsistency in that, you know, you kind of said it, Georgia State's not going to get three touchdowns from Tucker Gregg every single week. But then again, we don't even know who the leading rusher for this team is on a week-to-week basis. It feels like every week they just kind of cycle in a new person. Some weeks it's, you know, some weeks it's Destin Coates, some weeks it's Jameis Williams, some weeks it's Greg, some weeks, you know, Quad Brown has to both lead the team in rushing and passing. So, I, I mean, you know, credit, like I said, credit for Georgia State being able to win this game. Um, but both of these teams really struggle with consistency from a week to week basis. And, you know, this week it was Georgia State on the high end of the spectrum. I feel like if these teams played 10 times, Georgia state might win five or six of them. Like that's how inconsistent both these teams are and how you can't take anything for granted when either of these teams play. Yeah. South Alabama had four turnovers. Uh, They, they, they got four turnovers all in the first half and it was only seven to seven. So that speaks volumes to, uh, you know, South Alabama's ability to capitalize on these mistakes. You have to capitalize on the turnovers when you do get them. Um, that's it will win you games every time. Obviously not in this one. Um, but yeah, credit Georgia State for, you know, hanging in there and, and erasing the mistakes. But that won't happen every week. If they do this next week, they'll get blown out. <laughs> All right, so Georgia State moves to four and four with the win, uh, and three and four in Sun Belt play. South Alabama drops to three and six and two and four in Sun Belt play. So getting into the final game of the night, I think both of us were very shocked to see the final score of this game because, again, this is that weird home and home in the same season situation where Middle Tennessee State 
and Troy played. Uh, this is the second meeting this year between these two teams. Middle Tennessee goes to Troy's place and comes out with a 20-17 to 17 win. I think what surprised me most is Gunnar Watson was able to return for this game. So, you know, obviously Jacob Free, who had struggled the past couple weeks for Troy uh, starting at quarterback, comes out. Gunnar Watson, you know, I don't know whether he was rusty coming back from his injury or like what the deal was. I mean, 300 yards is great, but Troy throws the ball almost every single play. I mean, you know, 39 attempts. They, he threw one touchdown, two picks. I mean, even against a team like Middle Tennessee, if you keep giving them chances, we just talked about this with the Georgia State game, you keep giving the other team chances, they're eventually going to take advantage, right? Yeah. Uh, the They, you know, Middle Tennessee did take advantage of those turnovers. They uh, held the ball 37 over 37 minutes uh, compared to Troy's uh, 22-39. They just, uh, they just, ran the clock out. They just dominated the uh, time of possession, just controlled the game. And uh, if you give, you know, turnovers, especially to a team like middle Tennessee state who needs all the breaks they can get, they're going to, they, you know, they capitalize on what they got. And uh, my biggest question is uh, we, we talked about this in the, in the, in the last podcast, the battle for palladium dude, I guess Troy gave it back <laughs> the, the little trophy, the wooden <laughs> trophy, I guess they, had it for you know a few weeks and then gave it back. I guess they're still playing for. I I meant to look it up uh, to what it looked like or or how the how it was going to work, but I never did. What's that? Isn't there an old Bible story about like a baby and they like think about splitting it in half and then like do they just split the trophy in half? Like do they just cut it down the middle and each team takes a half for the rest? of the I don't year? know. Like, I guess the real winner. Because the trophy would be the one that says, uh, you know, don't cut the trophy, just give it to the other team. And then they give it to that team because, you know, that's <laughs> how the story went. So who knows? <laughs> I think I think what kills me is um, about this game is like when I look at it, I'm comparing it to the very extremely rarely in college football. Can you take a game that was played earlier this year and compare it apples to apples to a game that happened last week. But I'm going to do that with the, the earlier meeting between uh, middle Tennessee and Troy. Troy had almost 500 yards of offense in that game. They forced three uh, turnovers to middle Tennessee and they held the ball for 35 minutes. You know, this was kind of the, the opposite here. You know, like you said, middle Tennessee controlled the, uh, the time of possession, 37 minutes, the yardage was even and middle Tennessee didn't turn the ball over. I mean, those are the recipes for success, but you know, to play earlier this year and allow 47 points to Troy middle Tennessee's defense must've really buckled down between week one and now. Yeah. They must've, you know, been extra motivated, watched extra tape or because this just didn't look like the same, the same two squads from earlier in the year. And I was, we both unanimously picked Troy to, to blow them out in this game. We, we were, uh, you know, dead wrong and very surprised by that. Uh, but yeah, it was just one of those things where the mistakes piled up and the the better team won. And uh, yeah, big, uh, big ups to Middle Tennessee. Lots of credit to them. Troy, too many mistakes. And so, yeah. So uh, after starting the season off, I believe it was three and one and their only loss being to BYU. Uh, Troy has gone one and three in their remaining uh, four games since then. 
and they will close the season at App State. They play at South Alabama and and against Coastal Carolina, and then they play UL Monroe in the finale. I mean, there that's got six and six written all over it. Am I right? Yeah, it does. It does. Uh, outside of that, you know, that Monroe game, I I, I don't see any any uh, gimme wins or uh, anything, especially from this game. That's gonna you know tell me any different than you know possibly you know five and seven six and six sort of season yeah for sure so middle tennessee moves to three and six on the season troy drops to four and four uh and we'll take home i guess half of the trophy uh so (laughs) so getting into this weekend's upcoming games uh the first game on saturday's list uh, Georgia Southern travels to what is it called Center Park Stadium, uh, formerly Turner Field now, and uh, will take on Georgia State. Uh, Georgia Southern is a two-point favorite in this game. Um, Vidal, before we kind of talk about who we think is going to win, I do just want to preface this by saying uh, Georgia Southern's had a couple players get arrested uh, after after last week's game against Army. Uh, namely, Wesley Kennedy the third and C.J. Wright uh, were both booked on, I believe it was weapons charges. Uh, so their ability to go for this game is probably a no. I'm gonna say. Uh, so keep in mind when you pick a, a team on this side that those two guys, C.J. Wright, their nose tackle, and Wesley Kennedy, their running back, are both not gonna play. Um, so, I mean, I'll give you my thoughts, but go ahead and give me who you think is going to win. Well, this. I had in my notes that, uh, that for them, for Georgia Southern Southern to win this game, uh, Shy Words needs to have a mistake-free game. and needs to be on his A game. I will have, I'll say that again, uh, but with more emphasis because, you know, Wesley Kennedy, that's a big, that's a big, uh, that's a big loss there. Um, I was coming up in the air a about who was going to win this. I had Georgia Southern uh, in my own mind, like a two point favorite, I guess, but uh, I'm, I don't know. I don't know. That's a tough one. If, if uh, Cornelius, Cornelius Brown, the fourth for Georgia state, if he makes mistakes like he did last week, I give it to Georgia Southern, but I mean, to Georgia state, but uh, no, sorry, Georgia Southern. But if, Georgia Southern can't get anything done on offense or they just have another collapse. I'm going to have to give it to Georgia state, but I'm still going to give the edge to Georgia Southern slightly. Yeah. I, I mean, the thing with both of these teams, uh, honestly, if, if you're an outside viewer and don't follow either of these teams super closely, I think you could just kind of flip a coin on this game and feel pretty okay about it. Um, you know, both of these teams are highly inconsistent. I would say, um, you know, Georgia Southern, some weeks they come out and look like they're trying to set the world on fire on offense. And some weeks they go into this like hibernation shell mode thing where they're like, we're just going to run the ball and play some defense and not really take a whole lot of chances. So, you know, kind of underlining what you said, I think Shy Wirtz is going to have to be like almost absolutely perfect in order for them to win this game because JD King, their leading rusher still on the season is out with an ACL. So he's not going to play. We don't know what Wesley Kennedy's status is as of this state. I would say he's probably not going to play. Honestly, I'd kind of be surprised if he played the rest of this year, but anyway, you know, 
those two are out of the picture. We're kind of down to our third and fourth running backs. With that said, I, I think Georgia Southern has been a little bit more consistent. So I say Georgia Southern wins this game 31-28. Uh, I think it's going to be close. I don't think it's going to be a blowout for either side. Uh, but again, I, I think you could flip a coin on this game and and probably pick your winner with that because you just have no idea what you're getting from either team from a week-to-week basis. Yeah, uh, you know, Georgia State could have a decent game or they can, you know, turn the ball over five times. Uh, like you said, Shywards, I think he needs to, you know, go something like 12 for 15 passing uh, with no interceptions and, he, and 150 you know, rushing yards uh, to, to I guess, make Georgia Southern comfortable. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it'll I think it'll be Georgia Southern winning this game. But like you said, it won't be that big of a margin. Uh, it'll come down to, I think, the last second. It's going to be a really, really <clears throat> close game. And, um, yeah. I'll say this, too. He had... Uh, Shywert's had his best game, I think, throwing the football against Army this past weekend. You know, he didn't make any mistakes. He threw two touchdowns. Uh, he was making better decisions, I think, throwing the football than he has, like, in the last few weeks uh, before the Army game. That said, he was kind of dinged up at the end of the Army game and wasn't actually able to play uh, on the last couple series. I think he had a shoulder injury. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm fairly sh- confident he's going to be able to go in this one. Um, but yeah, provided he does play, I'm taking Georgia Southern by a three point margin here. Uh, so going down the three o'clock games, uh, there are three of them this weekend, starting off with number 20 coastal at Texas state. They're coming to San Marcos 17 point line. Um, Vidal, you know, I, I hesitate to ask this question. What do you think the chances are Texas state's able to not, I wouldn't say win because obviously the the odds aren't in their favor, but keep it close with Coastal for at least half the game. I think it's I think it's going to be a close game. I think Texas State's going to go all out. It's the last game of the season. They're hosting a, a, a ranked team. Uh, they've been they've kind of their season has kind of been bookended by the first four games. Uh, they were you know. They beat Monroe and they had these close games against B, uh, uh, against UTSA and Boston College and SMU and it looked like if they could just put together, you know, you know, put the mistakes behind them and put you know all that together, they could you know have a chance at the Sun Belt Championship. But five games in a row, they lost by double digits, and now they've they um, last couple of games they've it, they've been you know decided by close margins. I think that that trend is going to continue. Um, I think Texas State's going to throw everything at them. Uh, trick plays, fake punts. They're going to you know, do the same thing they did against Arkansas State. I think they should just air it out, even though the running game has been much improved this year. Um, I think they should just let Brady McBride let it rip. Just try to pick apart that, that uh, coastal defense, because at this point, the only thing they're going to be doing is uh, playing spoiler and... Um, yeah, I wrote a whole review about it on underdogdynasty.com. Uh, I go into a little more detail with that. But yeah, it's going to be, I think Texas State's going to, They. I think they're going to go all out in this game. It's going to be like the end of that movie, Necessary Roughness, where Texas State uh, played the number one Texas Colts and beat them at the last second. 
you know, I don't think it'll be as dramatic, but, you know, I think it'll be a lot closer than, than what the odds say. Yeah. So th- this is, I mean, I think coastal ends up winning this game. Um, I think the only question is, does Texas state, you know, play to, like you said, the full extent of what they're able to do. Um, and are they able to, you know, kind of rein in and both, both rein in and protect Brady McBride back there? Because I think it's pretty much shown if he has time to throw, he can make teams pay. The only problem is if a team gets a consistent pass rush, he's more prone to, to making some, you know, wild decisions. I, I did think it was crazy going into last Saturday. They showed a stat on game day that there was a Pac-12 team playing their first game of the season and Texas State was playing game number 11. Um, And I thought that was a pretty crazy stat and pretty much shows, you know, where we're at as far as 2020 college football goes. Um, But, I mean, I'm going to take Coastal in this one. I probably wouldn't touch this game overall. I I just – you always run – you run the chance that this game could go either way. Uh, Coastal could win this game in a route and make it look like the uh, the Georgia State game where they won fifty one to zero a couple weeks ago, or Texas State could take them down to the wire and kick a you know Coastal could kick a last second field goal or, or something like that and make it a that close of a game. So I think Coastal ultimately wins, but um, yeah, we'll see if Texas State's able to play spoiler here in this one. Uh, so the next three o'clock game we have Louisiana at UL Monroe. Uh, Louisiana is a 28 and a half point favorite. The only thing I'll say about this game, the last couple of years that these two teams have played, UL Monroe has gotten up for this game um, when they have easily not been as good of a team as Louisiana. Uh, I think last year's game came down to like an extra point that UL Monroe missed, and that was the difference. Uh, Louisiana, I think at that point, was kind of looking forward to the Sunbelt title game against App and wasn't really paying attention to Monroe. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I, I mean, we'll see if UL Monroe gets up for, for this game. Uh, it is technically a rivalry game, even though the, the rivalry at this point is kind of like hammer and nail. Um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see how these two teams end up playing. Yeah, I mean, that can happen. I could see that, but um, I think that Louisiana, if even if they're having the worst day, they're going to pull away with this. Uh, Monroe's only scoring 16 points a game, giving up nearly 38 a ga- uh, game. Uh, and Monroe doesn't rush much because they're always playing from behind. And I think that uh, Louisiana is going to run well, and they're gonna just going to control this game. And I, I, I won't take the 28 and a half points. I think they'll win by probably like between 18 and 21, but I'm going to, I think that Louisiana is going to control this game against Monroe uh, wholeheartedly. So Vidal, would you believe, uh, so I've looked this up. Would you believe that the last two contests, uh, you know, the Cajuns have won both, but the last two contests have been decided by a combined four points. That's a, um, that's a pretty crazy statistic. I guess that tells you anything that in these rivalry games or when teams don't have anything to lose, uh, much of these games that we're, we're reviewing are, are uh, they fall into that category. So anything can happen. Um, I'm not going to totally, I think if, if any game Monroe can play close to, it probably will be this one. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if Monroe did play, uh, you know, come up to the challenge and, you know, it comes down the last second. But just the, uh, I don't know, just the odds to me just seems like Louisiana is going to win this game. 
So I, I'm fairly sure, um, yeah, I, I can confirm Louisiana is going to play in the, in the Sunbelt title game. Um, you know, they're five and one on the West half of the bracket, uh, with two games left that said, you know, they do have, they do play at app next weekend, uh, after this game. So I don't, I don't see a reason why it would be a look ahead spot for Louisiana. However, it could be, you know, you just, you just have no idea. So yeah, just keep an eye out. Uh, weird things happen in rivalry games. I'm not saying that Monroe is going to win this game by any stretch, but I'm just saying keep an eye out. Weird stuff happens when, when rivals play one another. Uh, so the last three o'clock game, we have uh, South Alabama heading to Arkansas State. Uh, Arkansas State's a seven-point favorite, but this is kind of the tale of two teams who have really faded towards the end of the season now. Uh, South Alabama having lost four consecutive games uh, after starting, what was it, three and two uh, on the season. And then Arkansas State having lost their last four as well. Both teams coming in on four-game losing streaks. Someone's got to win this game, Vudal. Yeah, I was looking at that <laughs> seven-point, you know, Arkansas State's uh, favored by, and I'm like, maybe that's too much. But I think about South Alabama, I'm like, maybe it's not. But I'm like, but it's Arkansas State. I'm like, well, no, but maybe they do, you know, deserve that, you know, seven point favorite. But then I'm like, no, well, South Alabama, it's one of those things where uh, we, we talked about some of these games in the Sun Belt where I'm like, they're middle of the road games, middle of the road teams that can go either way. If you if at the beginning of the season, if I said that to myself at the beginning of the season that this was going to be like that, I would have been like, you're joking. It's Arkansas State. They're always, you know, competitive for this, you know, in the Sun Belt and all that. But I don't know if they keep doing that two quarterback system. I think South Alabama is going to get this. I mean, I just don't. And, you know, we talked about the defense being inconsistent, but I'm, I'm going to say it every week for the, you know, for the rest of the season, as long as I do this podcast is I just don't think that two quarterback system works, especially when it's two guys that have similar play playing styles. I could see if one was a wildcat, you know, offense runs the option or something like that. And the other guy's a pocket passer and it works in certain situations, but uh, I just, I'm just not sold on it. And I think, I think South Alabama will win this game, even though they're not favored. So just to go over a couple, a couple facts here, this is, uh, I would say this is the meeting of the stoppable force meets the movable <laughs> object. And the reason the reason I say that is because South Alabama is only averaging 20 points per game on offense. And like I said before, Arkansas State gives up 39.6, almost 40 points per game. So you've got a defense who doesn't want to play defense. You've got an offense that doesn't want to score. I'm not really sure what to make of that. Uh, I'm going to take Arkansas State in this game just because I know they can score. And uh, South Alabama's pass defense has been there their Achilles heel so far this year. Actually, their entire defense has kind of been their Achilles heel, but, you know, they're allowing 251 yards per game through the air and 181 on the ground. I know Arkansas State's defense is bad, but if if they can score, I just, I have a hard time seeing how South Alabama scores with them, you know? Um, so with a team averaging 20 points per game on offense, I mean, South Alabama's made some nice strides. They obviously are better than they were last year. They're not, they're not, I don't think they're ready for a shootout game. They're not Texas State where Texas State was like frisky every week and was right on the verge of winning a game and just kind of let it, fly, let it slide. South Alabama has been getting, 
ground down the last three weeks. I mean, they've lost 23 to 6, 38 to 10, 31 14. So they've scored a combined 26 points over their final three games. So give me Arkansas State. Uh, I think they're going to score enough points. I think their defense isn't going to matter, to be totally honest. Um, so the 8 o'clock game, the finale for Sunbelt play on Saturday night, App State hosts Troy. Uh, App is a two-touchdown favorite. App has to win out, uh, obviously, to give themselves even a, a fighting chance in the uh, in the Sun Belt East now with uh, Coastal holding the tiebreaker over them. Um, I mean, I think App wins this game. Uh, I think that they're able to play enough defense. Troy's offense has been bad as of late. Um, I think App is, is going to just be conservative, play defense. I think that's going to be enough to beat a Troy team that's really been sputtering on offense lately. Yeah, I have to agree, Brian. I think that App State's going to win this game. It's it's also crazy that this game is, you know, at night, like supposed to be like a prime time sort of uh, game. This usually would determine like who's going to win this, you know, this conference, but just not this year, just because, uh, I mean, of course, it's still a chance, but Coastal's just been, you know, uh, running away with it. And Troy's been just so up and down that, uh, you know, but last week, Gunnar Watson, the quarterback for Troy and Zach Thomas, excuse me, the quarterback for app threw five interceptions and, in, and in losses. They're both, are going to be looking for redemption, but I think, I think that Zach's going to get back on track and uh, I think they're just going to, uh, you know, run them into the ground. I think Troy's going to make a few mistakes. And so I think, I, I think app's going to win this game probably by like two touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, you know, since Troy faced off with Arkansas State on Halloween, they have not been able to score more than 17 points uh, in a game over their final two uh, games so far this season against Georgia Southern and Middle Tennessee. I think App's defense is good enough that if Troy, whatever their funk that they're currently in offensively is, I I don't think they're going to be able to overcome it, and I don't think app is the get right game for your your sputtering offense uh so give me app in this one uh i'm totally fine taking the 14 i think they could win this game like 42 21 i I wouldn't be shocked to see a final score like that um so wrapping up this episode we've gone through all these games you know give me a matchup uh that you're keeping your eye on and then tell the folks where they can find you on social media well i think the the matchup that's going to be the most interesting to me will be that Georgia Southern Georgia state. Of course, I'll be at the Texas state game, uh, which will hopefully be closer than uh, what the odds think, but the, the Southern versus state game, I think is going to be the most interesting. It's going to be one of those. uh, It's going to be one of those games where it's going to come down on the wire. Uh, I think, you know, final mistake is, is what's going to cost the other team. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Vidal underscore Espinosa. You can find uh, find me there, and usually I uh, repost all my uh, recaps and previews. You can also go to underdogdynasty.com and look at all of our previews and recaps as well. Um, yeah, so Southern versus State, that, I think that's going to be the game of the week. So I'm keeping my eye on that game as well for obvious uh, you know, personal gain uh, purposes. 
the game that I'm going to keep an eye on, and I'm not going to watch this game. I just want to preface that I'm not going to watch this game. I don't. I don't have any any rooting interest. I'm going to keep my eye on the score of this UL Monroe Louisiana game because, like I said, the last two contests. I don't know if Louisiana is going to come out angry, the Cajuns, uh, because these two games have been so close the last couple of years, even though they're, they've been head and shoulders, a better football team. But I'm going to keep my eye on the score of this game because I, I'm i interested to see if UL Monroe gets up for one game this year and decides, you know, enough is enough. We're 0-8. We've got to throw something at our biggest rival that they haven't seen you know, on tape from us. So I'm going to keep my eye on the score of that game. Uh, as always, you can find me on Twitter at watch the stone. Uh, we will be back next week to talk more Sunbelt football.